So last week, um, I'll move on, eh? So last week, um, we, we began a series of looking at character, um, character of the church, and um, we looked at how character is, how, um, is, a, is a combination of things. Character is a combination of the things about a person that makes them different from others. And some of us uh, um, have more character than others. Um, it's, it's the combination of things that make you different from others. It's uh, the thing by which you become known by. Uh, your character is how people experience you. You know, And so uh, in using this language, the character of the church, I'm, I'm asking the question, what are the things that make believers different from the world? What are the things that make believers different from the world? What are the things that make um, that we're, what are the things that we are known for? And how are people experiencing the body of believers? And we looked at last week um, this quote from Bruxy Carvey, where he said, "We're not a peace movement or a, a social justice movement or a care for the poor movement who happen to believe in Jesus." We are a Jesus movement, and everything else flows out from there. So good, eh? And so, although the church can do all these great things, and we should be doing these great things, it should always come back to us being known as the people of the way, as, as us being known as disciples of Jesus, as us being known as the followers of Jesus. That should be the thing that, that people see. And um, Olga... Olga sent me a message. She's not sure what I'm going to say. Olga sent me a message um, the other day um, which had a, um, a quote from Bill Johnson, and I thought it was really good. And he says, The main thing is not just what we teach, but how we live. The main thing is not just what we teach, but how we live. And I thought it was really interesting you sent this quote to me, Olga, because um, Trent had just been preaching about rebuke. And so when I got it, I thought, was she trying to practice Trent's message on me? <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I favoured the fact that she was being nice and just thought it was a great, a great quote. So, but this quote of Bill Johnson's um, really sums it up. It's an underlining theme of this series that how we are known matters. How we are known really does matter. And there, there are things that we need to be intentional about in in growing and developing in our lives. And as we, as we fill ourselves with these things, as we fill up, what happens when you fill up and you keep filling is you overflow, amen? And um, a bit too scientific for you there. <laughs> when you get full and you get fuller, you overflow. And so... Uh, You're really helping me. Thanks. <laughs> and, and they become it becomes the way in which we're known, amen. And uh, in the which the way the world encounters us, and um, when the world encounters us in that overflow, they encounter Jesus, and that's who we want them to encounter. And so last week I shared that that I believe um, there are three core characteristics that we should be known for, and. These, are the th- these three characteristics are entrenched in the person of Jesus. 
And so we should be a, a people who are known as um, people who action faith. We should be people who are uh, uh, known as people who abide in hope. And we should be known as people that, that love with wisdom and understanding. And so faith, hope, and love. And as the Apostle Paul said, the greatest of these is love. And so um, because it's the greatest, we started with that last week. We started with um, this characteristic of the church body being love. And so if you weren't with us last week, you know, I really encourage you, um, go listen to the Liberty podcast because, you know, love, hope, faith, they intertwine, they, they, they cross over, they, they're, they're connected. So I encourage you, if you weren't here, because uh, it was a long weekend, you know, go listen to the podcast. And so um, this week I want to explore faith. And so there's a lot of ways that we could, we could probably look at faith. Um, I'm probably going to lean more heavily on one aspect of faith this morning. So what is faith? What is faith? I think faith in its most simplest form just looks like the word trust. Trust is the, the, the most simplest, simplest way we could, we could describe faith. It's just trust. And the, the author of Hebrews writes this in Hebrews 11.1. 1. He writes, Faith is the assurance of the things hoped for, the conviction of the things not seen. And then later on in verse 6, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. So the book, book of Hebrews is a really interesting book. Um, there's, there's a bunch of unknowns about the book of Hebrews, the letter Hebrews, and, um, and that we don't, know who for sure, who, we don't know for sure who actually wrote it, and we, we don't know who it was written to. Um, but the unknowns don't really matter in comparison to, to what we do know about this letter and what we can learn from it. What can we learn from it? It was, Hebrews was a letter that was written to second, the second generation of Jewish believers uh, who were being drawn, they were being enticed back, to, um, back into Judaism. Uh, they were being tempted back into the law of Moses. Um, and so the time frame this was happening when this letter was written was between when Jesus resurrected and uh, when the temple was destroyed at 70 AD. So that when, the, when this is going on, it's in the middle of these two time periods, these two events taking place. And that's quite significant because this 40-year gap, this 40-year period of time is a transition time where you have uh, the law of Moses was still being practiced with temple worship at that time because the temple hadn't yet been destroyed. And so we not only have that, but we also have believers in Jesus practicing the new covenant and we have this 40-year period of time with, with both of these things happening. And so I'm not going to go um, into a lot of detail about that because we've, we've talked a lot about that before and we've done a whole lot of stuff at Kingdom School of Transformation on it. But what we do see here in Hebrews is this battle of where trust is placed. Where is trust being placed? And in this context, we have a Jewish faith heavily established in, in formulas and patterns, um, practices of obligation. You worked and you labored for your righteousness. And, um, you know, you worked and you labored 
to be righteous, and yet by, comparison, um, by compliance to laws and regulations. You know, it's this, this type of outworking of our faith, that, that this outworking of faith that Paul the Apostle said according to his own ability he was righteous. And who knows that he was outworking the law of the Pharisees as well. So you had hundreds of additional laws that, that he felt that he was righteous by his ability to, to fulfill all of them. And who knows, it's a self-righteousness. And in many ways, I think the church, not this church, it's always the church down the road, the church can fall into this very trap of um, that our faith becomes a formula and a pattern and obligation. Our faith can fall into a trap of being a formula and patterns and obligation. How long did you pray for today? Did you get your one hour in? Did you, did you have your sackcloth and ashes moment this morning as you just punished yourself by reciting your sin and then followed up by 40 minutes of, please God, please God, forgive me. Did you complete your Bible reading for today from your Bible reading plan? You know? And usually when you're not really into it, you know, you open your plan and it lands on numbers or something like that. <laughs> you know? And, and you're going to spend, you know, I've got to get, you're watching the clock while you're reading this and you're checking how many verses you have to read and you've got to read the begets and the begots. But you can't skip them because when you start to skip them, you feel bad. <laughs> Because Jesus is watching you. And we don't want Jesus weeping. He's made a list and he's checking it twice. That could be the other guy. But sometimes we can fall into this trap, eh? Sometimes we fall into this thinking that the benefits of our faith are earned. Thoughts such as, you know, if you stand with a certain nation, you will be blessed, and if you don't, you're going to be cursed. Rather than the thought that we are in Christ and we are radically blessed in him and that we are for all nations because Jesus is. Come on. That's a great thought. It's just the tap of tra- see. It's this trap of religion that, which has its foundations in legalism. Last term in uh, Kingdom School of Transformation, we did a series called "The End of Religion." From it was a series uh, run by Bruxy Carvey, who wrote a book called "The End of Religion," and it's a brilliant book. I highly recommend it. And I love his comment. Where he defines religion, he says, religion equals any system of belief, behavior, and belonging that we use to achieve access to the ultimate. And he's not just talking about Christian faith, he's talking about humanity's desire to connect with God in all humanity's made-up versions of what that is. And the key there is that we use when we put our faith in a system, it becomes about us. 
and, and what we can do and what we need to do. You know, and we're only as good as our ability to meet that system's demands. So if we go back to the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is all about Jesus being better. About Jesus being greater than the Mosaic covenant, the new covenant. It's about better promises. It's about completely better stuff. It was written as a challenge to their thinking, to, to remind themselves that their faith, their faith is an expression of their trust in Jesus. Their faith is an expression of their trust in Jesus. And it's not in a series of formulas or legalisms. And just like the recipient of Hebrews, we have to be intentional to, to establish our faith not, not in a system, not in a religion, but to establish and build our faith in a person. And his name is Jesus. And when we do that, we're, we're saying that I believe in who he says that he is. I'm trusting that what he sa- who he says that he is is who that he is. Something like that. And we're saying I'm trusting what he has done. And I'm placing my complete trust in him. See, faith, faith is an action in relation to our trust in God and the completed work of Jesus. Faith is an action in relation to our trust in God. You know, tr- who knows that trust looks like something? You know, it's not just a word. It's not just a decree. There's, a, there's an action or a response that reveals trust. It's in the, the light of these, that it's in this light that the verses in Hebrews are written. And we get Hebrews 11.1. 1. These are the verses we looked at just before. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That word um, assurance is sometimes translated substance. The the original word in Greek means um, placing under. It means um, the foundation. It means the the substructure. It means you have a confidence, you have a firm trust in. See, our faith is the substructure. It's the foundation of our hope. And we're going to explore hope in a, in a couple of weeks as part of the series. But faith is our proof, the conviction of a reality that we may or may not have yet fully experienced, but we're confident of. Amen? Who believes that he's done, a, he's done a good work in you and he's started a good work in you and he's perfecting that good work? Philippians something. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Actually, this isn't the whole verse. If we look at the whole verse, it's really neat. And it says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. So our faith is a, a, an action of what we believe. It's, it's the practice of our trust in him. 
And the reward is based on the action of our trust. We, we receive the benefits to the degree that we trust in him. We, we, we move into and experience him and what we trust of him. Faith is a, a, a commitment to a relationship that's centered on trust. You know, um, I can show you the ring on my finger here that my wife gave me. And she's not allowed to take it back. But um, who knows, that's a symbol of a relationship right there. That's a symbol of a relationship, right? And I could, I could go home right now and I could somehow find where our marriage license is and bring it back here and show you this piece of paper that says, um, and it's a legal document. You know, we, can, we are lawfully husband and, um, lawfully husband and wife. But my marriage isn't built on a ring. And it definitely isn't built on a legal document. Uh, we could be lawfully husband and wife and not in a relationship. Who knows you can do that? There's no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. <laughs> but that's true, isn't it? Our relationship's built on trust. And it's built on the mutual exchange of trust. Uh, We are faithful, trustworthy, faithful, which means, you know, hard translation means you're full of faith towards each other. And if you remember last week, if you were here, you know, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians, eh? Faithfulness. And this is the same covenant relationship we have with Jesus. It's built on trust. Amen? It's built completely on trust. Um, Greg, ba- Bo- bleh, Greg Boyd makes this awesome statement. He says, A faith that is alive is always a faith that is visible. A faith that is alive is always a faith that is visible. So the book of Mark tells us an interesting story of faith in action. And so this is Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, and this is the amplified version. Everyone tracking okay? Cool. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. And Jesus returned to Capernaum. And a few days later, the news went out that he was at home. So many people gathered together that were there were no longer, um, and so many people gathered together that there was no longer room for them, not even near the door. And Jesus was discussing with them the word of God. Then they came, bringing to him a paralyzed man who was being carried by four men. And when they were unable to get to him because of the crowd, They removed the roof above Jesus. And when they had dug out an opening, wouldn't it really suck if that was your house? (laughs) You've got the the best party happening in town. And, you know, the police are going to turn up soon. There's a whole lot of damage happening. But anyway, um, and so they made a hole in the roof and they they let the man down in a mat, this paralyzed man. 
And when Jesus saw, and this is why I like the Amplified, when Jesus saw their active faith springing from confidence in him, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Wow. Jesus saw their faith. You've got to love that translation, eh? He saw their active faith springing from confidence in him. They trusted in what they knew of Jesus, and they acted on that trust. And, and Jesus responds, your, your sins are forgiven. I think you see love in action here too, eh, with the, this man's friends. First, you know, they, they weren't there at the meeting for themselves. They came to this meeting for their friend. I think that's so neat. It couldn't have been easy to lift someone up onto a roof. Hopefully there's some stairs. Might have been fun making a hole in it. But, you know, wasn't that an amazing, amazing act of love? The key here is that their faith in carrying their friend into the roof, onto the roof, making a hole, lowering him down, who knows that didn't earn the forgiveness for the man. Nor did it manipulate Jesus in, in, in offering the man wholeness. Who knows it doesn't work that way. Jesus responded to the trust that they had placed in him. They'd seen him do these things. They believed in him. And Jesus responded to their trust in him. Um, I knew a lady years ago. Um, who, she would ring me and, and um, she was really worried and concerned that she hadn't prayed the right way. And um, she was so focused on getting the formula right. Um, you know, she'd ring me and say, was this is what I prayed. Were these the right words? Or um, did I pray the right way? You know, God can't hear me if I've prayed the wrong way. Or he's not going to answer this prayer if I haven't structured it right. This is, this is actually how she lived. You know, time and time again, I'd say, really, he's after your heart, and it doesn't matter what you say. He knows the desire of your heart. He, he's the great translator. He knows exactly what you mean and what you're trying to communicate. And she couldn't join those dots. And the problem with this is that she, she fed on this and she filled up with anxiety. Have I done the right thing? Was it good enough? What if, what if the way I prayed was wrong? God won't hear me. And so time and time again, I had to encourage her. He's after your heart. It's a relationship. And looking back now, and, and definitely with much more understanding, it's, it's, it's really likely that her faith, her faith for her was, a, was based on a series of patterns. Her, her faith was anchored, anchored on a model. Her faith was anchored in legalism. Her, her faith was attached to performance. And so she found herself in a constant struggle. Because your connection with God in that place is only as good as your last thing you did right. Rather than being what Jesus has done. And so um, 
You know, last week we talked about what we fill ourselves up is what we overflow with into the world around us. And so unfortunately for this lady, her anxiety and and fear and double-mindedness became the characteristic for what she was known for. It doesn't point to Jesus, eh? You know, and your heart's just got to go out to that and say, man. You know, our, our faith is very visible. And what we build it on will determine what people experience of us. Our faith is very visible, and what we build it on will be what people experience of us. It's an interesting thought, eh? Are we building it on legalism and obligation, or are we building it on trust? Trust in the person, Jesus. By faith, we also enter into his rest. That's a great thought, eh? So if we, if we look back, coming back to the book of Hebrews again, the, the author begins to challenge the Jewish believers that, I don't know, what will they learn from the mistakes of their forefathers? That's, that's one of the challenges in this, in this letter. What, what will they learn from the mistakes of their forefathers? Or, or will they choose to trust God? And their forefathers, as most of you will know, is referring to um, Israel that came out of Egypt and before coming into the promised land, and they wandered around for 40 years. See, their, their forefathers had responded to God's voice and to following him, but then began to grumble and rebel. You know, they, they even experienced his provision and deliverance, being delivered from bondage in Egypt and then the provision, the amazing provision in the, in the wilderness journey. But yet they'd missed the rest and the promise that he had offered them. And it goes on to say in Hebrews 4.11, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest of God, to know and to experience it for ourselves so that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience of those who died in the wilderness. You know, what could, what could this mean for us? What does this mean for us in the modern day church? We live in a time where we're distracted by idols. We're, you know, we're, we're distracted by culture. We get distracted. Life can be really busy. Amen? But you know what? Jesus says something so amazing, as he does. And this is Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Good old Amplified Translation again. He says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened, by religious rituals that provide no peace. Wow. <laughs> and burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace. And I will give you rest, refreshing your souls with salvation. Take my yoke upon you and lean, learn from me, following me as my disciples. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, renewal, blessed 
quiet for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. So good. You know, as we, as we exercise our faith or our trust in Jesus, as we remain committed to connecting to him, we experience his peace. So good. We experience his rest, a rest that refreshes. We experience wholeness and we experience freedom. And we start to live in a way that's not weighed down with anxiety. It's not weighed down with burdens. It's not weighed down with distractions. And we start to live differently from the world. And they begin, the world begins to see a people who are not swayed by life. They, they, the world begins to see a people who are not at the mercy of life. But the world starts to see a people who out from them flows life. We become this people who life no longer just happens to. Isn't that a good thought? Who wants to rest in this place? That's the wrong slide. <laughs> it might be the right one. You know, we become a people. I just rest in him right now. We become a people whose life no longer just happens to them. But we're people with life flowing from. Wow. This all comes out of trust. It comes out of our faith. You know, um, many years ago, um, I came to a point of burnout. And the way I lived my faith had become so performance orientated. And um, I was burning the, I was not only burning the candle at both ends, I was burning it in the middle as well. And <laughs> that doesn't end well. Burning bridges with people, you know. Um, and when you, when you live like that, when you, when you fall into a performance trap, it's not sustainable. Who knows that it just, it zaps you and it, dis- it just destroys you. And, and, I, and I, I began to let people down. I began to make lots of mistakes. It was like this snowball that just rolled and got bigger and bigger to the point where there was no way for me to contain this mess that I'd become. And so I crashed. I couldn't handle it. But luckily, today's another day, amen? Not saying it happened yesterday, but... Um, for a season, I even disconnected from church, you know? This is not permission, by the way. <laughs> this is my story. Don't try and copy me. Um, and so I even disconnected from fellowship. And during that time, I felt like I'd been disassembled. And I got to a point where all I had was Jesus. That's, that was like when I thought about it, all I had left was Jesus. There was, there was nothing left. I hadn't, I hadn't lost him, which I'm really grateful for. But this realization, all I had was Jesus. I had nothing left to give. Nothing left to give. All I could do was lean on Jesus. I've been stripped to my very basic foundation. And it was then, it was then in that moment that I began a season of rebuilding. 
but the focus was on Jesus. It wasn't performance, you know. And through that, I found identity. Through, through building on Jesus, I found a father. Because my walk up to then, I didn't understand I had a father. I had Jesus and I was a good Pentecostal with the Holy Spirit, but I didn't have a father. I found rest. And in this, this place of rest, I was able to be still and know him. I was okay with being still. I was okay with just being with him. And coming into stillness and rest in him. You know, you can practice that, eh? When you're driving and the other person does something wrong because they can't drive like you. Um, you can stop when you're at the traffic light. Don't stop in the middle of the road and do this. Wait till you get like a stop sign or, you know, pull over. And then just enter rest. You know, it's only one thought away. I'm just trust. It's, it's an engagement. It's the action of our trust. You know what, Jesus? This is who you said you are for me and that you have given me your peace. And right now, I just flowed into it. Boom. Don't forget you're behind the wheel, though. And I began to see him in new ways. I began to trust him in a way that I never knew before. Because who knows, before, when I was so performance-orientated in my faith, I was trusting my ability to perform. And my connection with God was only ever as good as my last Great performance, you know? But now when I built it on trust, my connection with him is constant. And it's not based on how well I did. I'm doing well, eh? But, but, you know, it's just that I can rest and lean on him and trust and believe in who he is and who he is for me. He's my identity. He's everything. And so in this, in this journey I was in, my faith changed. And then Lara and I, in this process, Lara and I began that whole kingdom exploration journey together. And we, we didn't do everything right. You know, we made mistakes. And we all make mistakes. But, but right now, what we found is that our faith was built on trust and not our, our ability to perform. And something amazing happened in all this. In this early part of this journey, we were really messy and I've shared this before, but in this process of this happening, a family member of ours gets saved and connected with God. Not through, not through us even talking to them, but they were watching our journey and they saw people who were trusting in God. And in the middle of the mess and the mistakes and things like that, who they saw was Jesus. And they're like, there's something in this and I'm after that for myself. And they wanted a personal connection with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That's nothing we did. That was just us learning to trust. And people experienced us in a way they'd never experienced us before. And they saw him. Just amazing. 
Let's live our faith, eh? Faith of trusting God. Let's stand. Here's the cool thing is I actually just sort of got through most of the message on faith without even talking about Abraham, the father of the faith. You know, I actually shared a couple of messages on faith back in June, over two weeks, June the 3rd and June the 10th, and they're on the podcast. And the, the two messages are called Faith, the Story, and Faith in Us. And, you know, if you want to explore more of this, if there's something speaking to you, I encourage you, go listen to those messages. You know, our faith is very visible, and what we build it on will determine what people experience of us. Isn't that a great thought? Our faith is very visible, and what we build it on will determine what people experience of us. You know, and we can, we can build our faith on, on legalism and obligation and performance, and that's what people will experience of us. Basically a train wreck. Or we can build our faith on the trust in the person of Jesus and they encounter him and they get connected to a father. And here's the cool thing is that we only have to be responsible for our own journey and God makes that connection happen. He's brilliant at it. Because we can't actually see someone saved, amen? That's, that's a miracle between his heart and their heart. But we are in the middle of that where we demonstrate something. Amen? We get to be people that get to demonstrate what it means to trust him. To trust that he says that he is who he says that he is and that he has done what he has done on the cross. You know, maybe you've been struggling with trusting God. Maybe you feel like you need to perform or do certain things for approval and you're just tired of it because I know I got tired of that. Maybe you just feel really burnt out. Maybe your background or what you were discipled in only modeled religion, only modeled tradition, only modeled serving a model and, and, and obligation. Maybe you do not feel at rest. Well, you know what? Today you've got permission to tell yourself to trust him. Trust him and say, my faith is built on trust. If you just need to do that this morning, you've got the freedom to do that. Just say this morning, Jesus, I want to establish my faith on you. I want to establish my faith and trust in who you are and what you have done on the cross for me. I want to be a person of rest, I want to be a person of freedom. I want to be a person who loves well. I want to be a living testimony of who you are. 
so that the world sees you and they get connected with the Father. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus.